Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Kristen Airy joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll talk some Pacers with him. Chris, uh, I was mentioning we were laughing because I think you were talking to our producer about getting some booty in the blowfish. And I said, I think that was either my first, second, or third CD that I got. It was either this or maybe a Matchbox 20, perhaps, uh, was one of the first ones. Do a little 3 a.m. action there with Matchbox 20. A little 3 a.m. Who was the lead singer? Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas, I believe. Chris, good morning. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? Hey, it's great. Good morning. Uh, In-season tournament, uh, semifinal day. So, um, as KB knows, I'm going to be like everybody else. I'm going to be watching on my uh, big screen. So, I'm not in Vegas. Uh, It's an ESPN-only telecast. So, uh, I think I, I made a note. It's been 131 straight games that I've done. And the last time I watched a Pacers game uh, and not doing it was two years ago when they beat Golden State on TNT. Um, and that was before the Tyrese Halliburton trade. So I've done every wow. one of Tyrese's games uh, before tonight, and I'll be a fan like everybody else. Now, Chris, I, I've known you for a long, long time. You are very even keel. Um, it's one of my favorite qualities about you. Having said that, what will be your emotions tonight when the fourth quarter rolls around? <laughs> you know, you, you probably I, – I become more of a fan, there's no question, uh, because it's a lot different than, you know, when you're calling a game, when you have a job to do. I mean, I mean, it is the one thing that, you know, we're around the group, we're around the team, and I think people that watch the games know – uh, we want the Pacers to win. There's no question about that. But we also try to be a bit as objective and and give you know the telecast uh, what it needs to be given. But it's uh, it, I thought Monday night was just huge for the franchise. I mean the 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 emotion and the feel in the building. I don't think we had seen anything like that uh, since probably Game Six of the Pacers Cavaliers series. What is that about six years ago? Um, I think we've had some really good regular season crowds uh, since the trade was made, uh, you know, almost two years ago for Tyrese. But uh, the emotion in the building, I mean, it was it was a special night. And I think we'll go a long way to, you know, what this team can be moving forward. But uh, definitely it'll be a lot different watching the game. I mean, I think I get a lot more nervous you know, when I'm watching a game than when I'm doing a game. Uh, Year 18, right? Yeah, year 18, right. Year 18 for Chris Sinari here, the TV voice of the Pacers. Tonight, though, it'll be 5 o'clock tip from Vegas on ESPN. That'll be Mike Breen, a little crossover with Reggie Miller alongside Doris Burke and Lisa Salters. Chris, before we dive deeper into, okay, the Bucks and, and this matchup specifically, it's probably the most popular question I've gotten all week long. And I was curious, do you know any sort of insight on why the 5 o'clock tip is happening tonight and not something a little bit later into the night? No, I don't know. I mean, you know, the one thing looking at the way they've arranged the game times, it reminds me a little bit of what they did in the bubble. Um, they they gave a lot of uh, space uh, between the games. It's It's different than an NCAA tournament. It's different than, you know, high school basketball where – you know, the game is over and then you get a 20 minute warm up and you come out. I think I think the reason, you know, there's more space is because, you know, what NBA teams like to do, they like to have those 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 pregame individual warm ups. So I'm assuming that, you know, the Pacers game starts, I think tip is at five thirteen. So 
it's it's not even at five. But you, you think about two and a half hours, that's about 7.30. And then it gives the next game, it, it gives New Orleans and the Lakers a chance to come out and, and do their individual stuff before. that. That's the only thing I can figure. And, and maybe the other thing is, is they just felt that they didn't want the second game to start too late. But if you look at the TV ratings from the other night, the Phoenix Lakers game did almost 2 million people, and it tipped after 10 o'clock. So I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised that you know it's a 5 o'clock and a 9 o'clock tip, but I think maybe that's part of the reason why. Chris Denary joining us here on the Wake Up Call on the Fan Payless Liquors Hotline on this Thursday. Uh, gut feeling after such, uh, um, you know, earlier in the week after such emotion, winning that game, really people paying attention to not only Halliburton but the Pacer team uh, as a whole. How do you think they play tonight against Milwaukee? No, I think they'll, I think they'll be ready to go. I, I go back to Saturday night as well. Uh, the the win in Miami without Tyrese, I thought was very important. Uh, for this group, uh, because, you know, remember the last time they played without Tyrese, they go to Boston, they get beat by 51. Um, no Tyrese on Saturday. They score 144 points against, I think, a, a really good, you know, Miami team, a good franchise uh, that was in the NBA Finals a year ago. So, uh, you know, hopefully they build on that and build on what they what they did on Monday. Um, I think they'll be ready to go. I think they'll, you know, make the adjustments they have to make. This is going to be a, a different Bucks team uh, than they saw than they beat earlier in the month because you've got Damian Lillard that's healthy. But on the on the flip side is Giannis won't have the ball in his hands as much as he had in Game One when he went for over fifty. Um, but this is a very talented Bucks team. I mean, um, you know, if, if you're going to win this first ever NBA Cup you're going to have to beat some pretty good teams. And if you look back at group play, if you would have told anybody in the summer that it would be the Pacers that would come out of a group that included Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Atlanta, all playoff teams, you know, I don't think anybody would have believed that. And then to go to the semifinals, you have to beat at the, at this time, you know, the team that's playing probably the best in the NBA in Boston. And now potentially to, to win it, it's the Bucks, And then, potentially the Lakers if they beat New Orleans tonight. So uh, I think they'll be ready to go. I, I'm sure they'll have a they'll have a always, you know, Rick has a really good game plan and uh, it, it'll be something to, to watch tonight. Yeah, I thought Pat Boylan mentioned that the Pacers have been underdogs in four of the five in-season mm-hmm. tournament games and obviously have won four of those five. Again, Kristen Aries with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The coverage tonight, ESPN. Uh, Chris and company will be back on Monday uh, in Detroit as the Pacers get back started with their normal schedule, if you will. Um, I, I want to continue to go back to that first matchup. It, it kind of struck me that I had forgotten that it wasn't really Obi Toppin on that Giannis matchup. That was actually a game Daniel Tice got in and guarded Giannis a little bit. So as you look ahead to tonight, obviously from a center standpoint, we know Jalen Smith isn't going to play in Vegas. Daniel Tice isn't even on the roster. Do you think it is going to be Miles Turner initially, or do you put Turner on Lopez and give Obi Toppin that Giannis assignment? Yeah, I tend to think it'll be, I think it'll be Toppin just from the standpoint that I don't think you want to put Miles in that situation from a foul standpoint, you know, because Giannis is so good at drawing fouls and Lopez, while he's a good rebounder and a good shot blocker on the defensive end, he likes to hang out around the three point line. 
And so I just think from a protection standpoint as well, you, you want Miles on the floor as much as you can, and you don't want him in foul trouble. You don't have Jalen Smith. Uh, Isaiah Jackson has done some nice things, but he's undersized. So um, I, I'm, I would think it would be Toppin. And then you've got Aaron Neesmith that you know is a really good defender. He's undersized, but, but he's going to give you everything he has. So that's what I guess I would anticipate. What, what's interesting tonight, if you look at the matchup, they do have Lillard. And, and so they're similar from a Boston standpoint where they have two guys that can get 60 between them. Um, but they don't have Pat Connaughton tonight off the bench, and they don't have Jay Crowder. And so it, it's a little bit different look that the Pacers will see tonight uh, in Vegas with this Milwaukee team. Who do we think? Pat Connaughton, one of my favorite athletes of all oh, time, I, by I the knew, way. I yeah, knew sorry, exactly I, what I you were going to, to say. I, I did, love him. I did see his name, and I did think of you. I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, Kristen Airy with us. This is for both of you. If I give you Buddy Heald, uh, Dame Lillard, and Tyrese Halliburton, who shoots the deepest three tonight? Is it Dame? Oh, man. Because, I mean, th- these three guys are yeah, shooting uh-huh. from the logo tonight oh, in Vegas, right? From the strip, yeah. yeah. From the sphere, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would go Dame or Tyrese. I mean, Buddy has – he has range, but I don't, I don't think he has – in my opinion, I don't think he has the same range as Dame or Tyrese. And, and, and I like Buddy – um, I like Buddy right around the three-point line or, you know, a few feet past. Now, Tyrese and Lillard, you know, I've done enough games over the years. I, I remember doing a game in Portland where Lillard came across the eight-second line, <laughs> and I think he launched it from the Blazers logo. Sure. And it was nothing but net. So I, I would say I, I would say it would be between Tyrese and Damian Lillard tonight to see who – who uh, gets off the longest three. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. I would say Buddy's light might be a little bit more neon green than anybody else. I mean, all of them have, obviously, green, green lights, but I just Buddy, to me, I mean, as soon as he touches that thing, you know it's going, going up. That was a huge shot he hit the other night, by the way, to kind of put that game on ice. Well, I think that the one thing about Buddy is he's always a threat. You know, he he's, he's shooting better than 40%. Now, he's had, you know, he's had some lulls, but you always have to account for him. I mean, it's like football. He's like the wide receiver that you always know is out there and may not be targeted, but you've, you've got to pay him a lot of attention. And, and you're right. He had a tremendous uh, you know, game, I thought, on Monday. And I thought he did a nice job defensively as well. I, I think Buddy does a really good job, and he's gotten better of being on ball where buddy gets caught sometimes is in a help situation. But uh, you know, the three he hit after Tyrese made the four point play, finally you saw the Pacers, you know, get that lead to seven after they had led by 11 in the second half and, and Boston had made that run. But uh, I just thought that was a tremendous pass. That's the connection that buddy and Tyrese have that, you know, goes back to their days in Sacramento. I mean, you watch that play again, and they had Horford on him, and, and Heald did a really good job of rubbing him off a screen underneath and coming back out to the top. Uh, you know, the Pacers only had five seconds on the shot clock, and, and that was a huge shot. 
TV voice of the Pacers, Kristen Airy, joining us here on this Thursday Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, early in the season when... Um, you know, when when we knew this tournament was going to be going on, I read some quotes and some players, you know, kind of dismissed it. It's one of 82. These guys make a ton of money. Most of them do. So the money isn't always uh, the biggest thing. But lately, you know, the Pacers, Rick Carlisle, Tyrese Halliburton have put such a, a forefront on this saying, hey, we want to win this. We, we, you know, we're taking this seriously. LeBron James said something similar the other day. And then Dame Lillard as well, getting ready his press of availabilities getting ready for the game this afternoon has been very vocal that he loves it he thinks the NBA hit a home run with this I guess are you surprised that these very rich multi-millionaire guys are buying in and have bought in seemingly to the in-season tournament because I am I'm really not not being around these guys because when you put something out there that you have a chance to win I don't care what it is that they want to win it and I, I think especially since this one is the first one, uh, it, it will be special. You'll look back and think, hey, that, that was the first in-season tournament. And, and I think most of these guys, you know, one, you have a lot of international players that are playing in the NBA now that are familiar more with FIBA and, and, and cup play, not just World Cup play, but maybe Euro League and all that kind of stuff, Euro Cup. And you look at soccer, um, you you have some of these instances where it's not just if you've won the game, but how many points did you win by point differential and all that. And then I've heard some of the players say it reminds them of a little bit of AAU. Um, and so many of these players have come up through the AAU system. So, um, no, I'm, I, I'm not surprised, but I do think it's, it's been even better than any of us thought. And, and, you know, people can love or hate the floors, but, I've, I've really enjoyed it because every when those nights came, I knew what was on the line. And doing the games, the, the two at Gamebridge Fieldhouse and the group play, and then, of course, the game on Monday, and then the game in Philadelphia and Atlanta, it just had a different feel. It really did. It did not feel like a regular season game in November or like Monday. It didn't feel like a regular season game in December. So I really think it's something that is a nice add-on for the NBA. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do some tweaks in the future, but I think everybody across the board has to be really happy. And with the buy-in that the players and the coaches and everybody has shown, um, I think that'll carry over in future years. All right, Chris, last one for me. I have no idea if this is even possible, but let's throw out the hypothetical the Pacers win tonight. We know that Saturday is ESPN at 830 um, for the championship game of the in-season tournament. Uh, right, can we get you, JJ, and company on a flight out there? for Maybe just a post-game show. And I want you to celebrate in Vegas just in case they do win it all, and then you guys fly to Detroit after that with the team. Is that possible? Well, right now I would say no. I mean, right now it's, uh, you know, this is, this is sort of like I've had in the past where you just, you, you, you're a fan, right? Because it's, uh, it's a national, it's a national telecast. So that, that's one of the things that, you know, as I look back at my Pacers career, you know, back to the Eastern Conference Finals in 13 and 14, we were always able to do the first round. But after that, you become a spectator. We would do some post-game shows. Um, but it, it, it's a whole lot different, let me tell you, when you're, when you're not there and not a part of it. Like I said, 
Um, I've done every one of, of Tyrese's games since he's you know been with the Indiana Pacers. So it'll be a little bit surreal to be sitting in my basement uh, watching the big screen. Um, but I'll um, I remember that game you know two years ago. You know watching the Golden State game that was a ten thirty start and it's one o'clock in the morning and the Pacers I think took it to overtime and won the game. I was jumping around. I, I had a <laughs> During the timeouts, I have like an indoor putting green, and I was <laughs> so nervous that I would just go over and start putting during the commercial breaks. That's and then great. Go back. So You're just missing I, everything because yeah, your hands are yeah. shaking. How'd you do? I was about to say, how'd you do? Did you make 20% well, of them or what? Well, I've got to figure that out today. That putting green is not up in the basement, but it's in the storage room. I may need to get that out today <laughs> and uh, have it ready to go during the commercial break. Yeah, honey, are you in there getting Christmas decorations out? No, no I'm no. ironing the putting green and making sure that it's good for <laughs> tonight. Uh, Chris, keep those emotions in check, or honestly, just feel all the emotions tonight. Uh, Going to be a great one at 5 o'clock, and uh, I guess safe travels to maybe Vegas, but more likely Detroit coming up. On, uh, right, on, on Monday. All right. Thanks, guys. That's Kristen Airy right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. All right. Been a big uh, fun show today. Appreciate Kristen Airy joining us. Rob Blackman going to join us here in just a moment. Purdue basketball back in action on Saturday against Nate Oates. I like Nate Oates. Alabama not as good this season than number one Arizona on that Super Saturday here in Indy on December 16th. Going to be a lot of fun as well. Reminder, you miss any of our show, any of the shows here on The Fan, you can find us 1075thefan.com. Well, let's go on, on, on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rob Blackman joins us, voice of Purdue men's basketball. Rob, good morning, sir. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing very well, Andy. And let me say, I'm a huge fan of your call screener, Kylan. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever in my history of doing these shows, she actually asked me what I would like for the song to be playing yep. as you came out of commercial break. I've never been asked that before. Of course, I panicked because I'd never been asked before. I didn't know what to say. Um, but I thought that was pretty damn cool. If I had to do it all over again... I would have asked for a Kiss song since okay. the Kiss, fan, Kiss fans know they played their final show ever this past weekend at Madison Square Garden. I should have gone with Kiss. I panicked. I apologize to Kylan, but I do appreciate the gesture. Well, we'll have some outro music. Yeah, well, I was going to the outro. If dial you don't that mind. up to send you off to Toronto, Rob. Cool, cool. You know, that's funny. The only time I've ever seen those guys live in person was in Toronto like five years ago. Hmm. I went up, went up there and saw him. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of cool, at least for an old guy like me. <laughs> is it their final show or is it kind of their final show and they'll be back, you know, in two years down the road? What do you think? I know, yes. Yeah. Because they've, they've pulled this before, yeah. haven't they? Everyone they, does, yeah. It's a, it's a no, Tony Kanaan Indy 500 feel to it. <laughs> yeah, they, they claim that this was it this past weekend. Never again will they step on stage. So that's wow. what they say for now anyway. He is voice of the Boilers, diehard Kiss fan. That would be Rob Blackman with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Rob, I was honestly hoping, like, for you to, which you always do, but, you know, a little bit of an education on this game. I, I, I kind of, obviously, the Zach Eady sort of reunion, try to get him a game north of the border, et cetera, et cetera. But how did this game kind of come about? Alabama as the opponent with Purdue playing in Toronto coming up on Saturday. Yeah, so the way it's been explained to me, and I think this is correct, Actually, a promoter uh, reached out to Purdue uh, really early spring of last year and said, hey, would you guys like to come up to uh, to Toronto 
uh, and play a game for, because of the Zach Eady connection. Uh, the only, and again, this is how it was explained to me, the only caveat was the promoter did not want Purdue if Zach Eady was going to leave for the NBA. Uh, because then obviously the game doesn't make a whole lot of sense in <laughs> being a Toronto kid. Uh, so when, when, when Zach made it, uh, made that decision, that he was going to come back, uh, come back and play his senior season at Purdue. Uh, then it was, then they were like, yeah, okay, so let's do it. So that's the way I understood it. Uh, it's also my understanding, I think, and I don't know the young man's name, so I'll apologize. I think Alabama actually also used to have a Toronto kid on their roster, but he did not come back. Uh, so he's no longer with him. So there would have been two Toronto kids playing in this game. But but anyway, that's from a Purdue standpoint. That's how it all that all came about. Was look, we'd love to have you, but uh, but uh, Zach Eady has to be on your team. <laughs> so <laughs> when they decided to come back, then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll still have you guys for this game. Everyone had their passport. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, yes. <laughs> it's going to be pretty embarrassing uh, for a, one of our players or coaches if they don't because we're, we're actually headed up there uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to have an extra day up there for uh, – I, I don't really know why, but typically we'd only leave the day before the game. But, but yes, I guess we'll find out tonight at the Purdue Airport if someone doesn't have a pass. Have you, have you spent time in Toronto? Pardon me? Have you spent time in Canada or Toronto? It's a great city. Uh, well, uh, so I actually worked the kid. Uh, actually, I've been there three times. Uh, saw the Kiss concert. I actually worked an IndyCar race, the the Toronto race, like five years ago. But the first time I ever went uh, was way back when, when I was working for the Indiana Firebirds in the Arena Football League in Toronto. Actually, had a team and we played up there. So, wow, <laughs> that's going way back. But uh, yeah, so I've been up there a few times. Gosh, I didn't have the Firebirds in the bingo card today. Uh, Rob Blackman, <laughs> voice of the Boilers, he's with us here. As Purdue gets ready to take on Alabama up in Toronto coming up on Saturday. Um, I guess about a month into things, Rob, biggest surprise, good or bad, from the Boilers' start this season? Uh, the fact that Purdue has shot the three-point uh, ball well. I mean, not well. They're, I haven't checked today's numbers, updated stats, but Purdue had been the number one team in the Big Ten in three-point shooting percentage. You know, last year they were at 32%, and that was just – it was really unexplainable because it's the same guys shooting them. And these guys were – came to Purdue as pretty skilled shooters to begin with. They just didn't shoot it very well last year as a team. Um, But, like I said, that number is up around 40 41% right now, which I do believe leads the Big Ten. Uh, So that's been the most pleasant surprise. The biggest disappointment is the fact that Purdue has not done a good job of taking care of the basketball um, you know, normally when you have guys that shoot it well, that means they're skilled. And skilled normally means you take care of the ball as well. It's kind of they go hand in hand. But for whatever reason, this group has not done a good job of that. Um, 13, probably about 12 and a half turnovers a game, just way too many. I mean, you look back at that game at Northwestern, Purdue out-rebounds Northwestern by 25 rebounds. 25 rebounds. Purdue went to the foul line 41 times and still lost. I mean, that's kind of hard to do. You, you get that many extra possessions, and you go that to the foul line that many times, but it was the turnovers. Purdue, for all those extra possessions Purdue was getting back, uh, was getting, I should say, they're giving them right back to Northwestern and turnovers. So that's been the disappointing thing. Um, now, to be fair, Purdue's played some pretty good defensive teams here. Marquette, Tennessee, so that number gets inflated a little bit because a lot of teams are going to turn over against those folks. But, but yeah, that, that turnover number needs to come down for Purdue if they want to 
if they want to really have a magical season. Rob Blackman when, uh, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Voice of Purdue basketball. They're off to Canada. Big game there against Alabama. And then number one, Arizona. That's going to be a lot of fun coming up on December 16th there at GameBridge. Lance Jones, the transfer there from Southern Illinois. About 11, 12 points a game, shooting over 43%. What has he brought to the team here in just a few weeks into the season? Well, he certainly brought some uh, some veteran savvy, which uh, this group needs. You know, Purdue is still really a young team in the backcourt. You, you think about Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. They're still just sophomores. Even though they started every game last year as freshmen, uh, the only two guys on the team to do that, by the way, Zach Eady didn't even start every game last year. But you know, those guys are still sophomores. So there's still a bit of a learning curve for them. Uh, there, there's no real learning curve for Lance Jones. I mean, he's a fifth-year guy. Uh, 1,600 career points, or right at 1,600 career points now, um, came to Purdue not only known as a scorer from Southern Illinois, but also a really good defensive player. You know, he was he was Missouri Valley Conference All-Defensive Team two years in a row. So uh, just that veteran savvy and leadership is what he's really provided. And the other thing that really, really, really helps with him is Purdue now has another capable uh, ball handler in the backcourt for full-court pressure. We saw that against Iowa uh, Monday night. Iowa has, in the past, typically really given Purdue fits with that full-court press of theirs. Uh, that was not the case on uh, on Monday night. Purdue only had eight turnovers. One of the reasons is you don't have to have Braden Smith being the only guy to try to break the press. You now finally have another capable ball handler back there to help him, uh, and it's sure easier, sure easier to break that press with, with two two capable ball ball handlers instead of one. So that's where Lance has really added uh, a, a big-time boost. Um, I don't know if his shot selection is always something that pleases Matt Painter. He's <laughs> taken some – he's taken some – Shot a uh, couple from Attica. <laughs> yes, from Attica. Uh, uh, but, but, hey, listen, he also made a three-quarter court shot uh, over in, in Honolulu, so maybe that's not all bad for him. <laughs> I don't know. He is Rob Blackman. He's voice of the Boilers. He's with us here again, Purdue and Alabama coming up in Toronto on Saturday and then a week from Saturday right here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse against Arizona. Um, Rob, I, I'm sure you've done the math, so I will ask you because I have not done it, and I know Zach Eady's on the verge of passing Robbie Hummel on Purdue's all-time scoring list. I think that would push him up to 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Can correct, he pass? Correct. Is it realistic to pass Rick Mount? Like, could he get to number one? Uh, well, I haven't actually done the math as far as the hard numbers go. Uh, I have had it passed along to me by more than one person that has done the math that it is not it's not uh, it's not out of the question. Let's put it that way. Um, now, what he would need to average for the rest of the season, how many games Purdue would have to play, that I do not know. Right, and there's a big gap from one to two, right, Joe Barry Carroll? Yes, that's where the big gap is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yes, it it is conceivable. And to think about, you now you're seeing, and you guys know this, but you're seeing all these college basketball records scoring, rebounding, whatever, get obliterated these days, but they're by fifth-year and sixth-year right. guys. Mike guys Davis' is kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, Zach, Zach's just a fourth-year guy. I mean, he, <laughs> which that sounds like old school now, right? Like, oh, my God, he was only around four years. Um, but that, he's only – now, he's played a bunch since he was a freshman, but uh, but, but he's, a, he's a four-year guy. So, um, I, I say a bunch. If you think about his freshman and sophomore years, he's playing 19 minutes a game. So, maybe that's not a bunch. Uh, but yeah, he, it is again, I don't know the numbers. I haven't, haven't crunched them out, 
But uh, you are correct. Uh, he's on the verge of passing Robbie Hummel. We'll probably do that this week for 10th. Uh, and it is, as it's been explained to me, it is conceivable he could get to number one and pass Rick Mount. Yeah, I think he passes Hummel this weekend. And then Walter Jordan probably in Gamebridge, he'll move up. Now, I did the numbers quickly. He needs 500 and, well, technically 78 points uh, to pass Mount. Those are the numbers we're looking at. If I broke that down and divided by 22, that's just the regular season games left. He would have to average 26 points per game to basically get there. But then you throw in Big Ten tournament yeah you throw in in ncaa tournament so that seems doable yeah when i was looking at this morning because robbie hummel actually retweeted it late last night yeah don't Uh, think we're allowed to say the word robbie hummel no no he used uh, (laughs) used a bad word there that we cannot say on uh, fm radio but it, I, I looked at it and said, well, there's no way he's going to get to number one. But looking at it now, especially, you know, if you, you're you thinking three, four games, whatever it may be, three games, Big Ten tournament, you hope Purdue makes that run this year in the NCAA tournament in March. You know, Edie's going to average. He's going to be putting up over 20 a game, 25 a game. Uh, there's an absolute chance uh, that he could do that. Rob Blackman with us. Rob, one more. Uh, one of our bosses passed this along, so I'll be the guy that asked the question. He was wondering, Ethan Moore, Gordon played a lot against Iowa, has not played a lot this season, but did play, I believe, 26 minutes against Iowa. Uh, Why have his minutes been kind of up and down this season? Any theory on that? Uh, Not so much a theory as the fact that really it's just come down to matchups and which which games better suit his skill level. Uh, The one thing Ethan brings to the table is he doesn't turn the ball over. I I think he only has two turnovers for the whole season, maybe three for the whole season. So Matt Painter likes that. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's one of your best on-ball defenders, and he's a really good rebounder. What he doesn't do is he doesn't score the ball. That's not his forte. Um, So it really becomes a a matchup thing for him. And who are the other guys playing around him? Um... When we have a group on the floor of guys, you know, the other four guys that can score the ball at a high level, then you're not really too concerned about Ethan having to score. There are certain combinations where he goes in the game where he's he has to pick up some of the scoring load and it just doesn't work. That's, that's what we found through these first eight or nine games of the season. So that's what it really boils down to. But, hey, he was terrific Monday night. I mean, you look at his numbers. For, for a guy that didn't score a point, uh, he was terrific in that game. By the way, I do. I need to say this: we were talking about breaking Rick Mount's record. The, the Rick Mount, uh, the Rick Mount fans are going to get on me if I don't mention this. I'm talking about Zach Eady being a four-year player. Yeah, Rick Let's played three. Fans, Rick Mount was a three-year player. Right. <laughs> wow. mm-hmm. He did that in three years. <laughs> the old freshman he, rule, he right? The freshman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that, that's pretty awesome, right there, to do that in three seasons and with no three-point line. By the yeah. way, uh, so yeah, keep that in mind, fans of Rick Mount. Uh, last, last one, Rob Blackman. Uh, I don't know if we've ever asked you this. What's the loudest Big Ten venue? And you can't say Mackey. Uh, Give us ooh. one, two, three on the list, if you don't mind. Well, uh, <laughs> is he allowed to say Bloomington? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, Bloomington is without question in the top three. There's no, there's no way around that. Uh, in the Breslin Center. You know what is 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 uh, is sneakily, if that's a word, sneakily loud. You don't think about it going into it. Is Maryland mm. when mm. now with this with this qualifier when it's full, uh, when that building is full and uh, that's and a big venue, right? There. What's that? That's a big arena, isn't it? 
big arena and maybe even up to 19,000 maybe. The, prob- the problem is, and it's not a problem, I suppose, if you're the opponent, if you get them on like a 6.30 weekday game, there's no one there <laughs> because the traffic's so terrible, it's hard to get to the game uh, on a weekday. But you catch them on a Saturday afternoon uh, when, when folks can get there and they can fill up the building, uh, that place gets really, really loud. Um, so I would say yes, uh, in no particular order because all three of them get pretty uh, – pretty uh lunatic like uh <laughs> certainly bloomington breslin center and uh in maryland yeah i've been to about half of them and i i thought the coal center was also pretty loud um again this was a nine o'clock thursday tip so that probably helps from a student libation activity and jordan <laughs> taylor and company had a pretty good team that year but uh yeah those ones certainly makes sense rob safe travels if you do any sightseeing enjoy that good luck with your kiss concert if they do have another comeback they will and uh we'll see you at gamebridge a week from saturday awesome thanks for having me guys i see the blackjack table i see the roulette wheel and i see eddie gill the slot machines (laughs) <laughs> oh, we love that call, don't we? We absolutely love that call here. Now, I've lost a lot of money call. at the casino <laughs> in the hometown of our next guest. <laughs> oh, have you? My bachelor party was in Cincinnati, and Charlie Clifford, who joins us now to talk Bengals, the Jack's Casino, it honestly might have stimulated a little bit of Charlie Clifford's recent economy. Oh, did it really? Yeah, it was It was not the best you effort. Know, you know, I'm pretty sure I've lost some money in that Jack's Casino. I uh, think well, that Jack's Casino has taken our show down. Handshake emoji ago. right here yeah. between me <laughs> and Andy Sweeney. Charlie Clifford, good Thursday morning to you, my friend. Well, I owe your next night at the casino on me, KB, for being uh, very late here to the call. Uh, much apologies to the show for blowing up your 9 o'clock hour, but it's great to hear your voice. Well, I still owe you a beer from the garage probably about a year ago this time, so (laughs) uh, consider that even. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you, though, on Sunday. Looking forward to seeing, honestly, uh, two teams, I think, in the thick of the playoff picture, and credit the Bengals for what they did on Monday Night Football. You were in Jacksonville. Your level of surprise with Jake Browning looking like Joe Burrow. Yeah, Kevin and Andy stunned. I mean, Jake Browning, you couldn't make a nicer person. He is so laid back, California guy. You remember what he did at Washington. But for the last four years, I mean, it's been practice squads cut, practice squads cut in this never-ending merry-go-round. And this year, Cincinnati brings in Trevor Simeon with the assumption that, okay, that's going to be Joe Burrow's backup. Uh, Browning wins the job. It was very clear the first day. I remember when Burrow went down, which was day two of training camp with the calf issue, you know, when we talked to Jamar Chase, okay, what happens now? And he said, we're good. Jake's got us. You know, Jake can handle it. He probably said Jake four or five times, never mentioning Trevor Simeon's name. Granted, Simeon had only been there a short time, but that was really the first point. Okay. This guy has won some people over behind the scenes and surely quietly throughout the summer. And really in the final couple preseason games, it was clear that he was going to win the job now to be thrown in with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then in Monday night in Jacksonville a place that hadn't hosted Monday night in 12 years. That, that was a pretty steep gauntlet, but that performance, I mean, what a game Zach Taylor called having nine different receivers involved in the first half. They really struggled on third down with Browning against Pittsburgh. 
that completely reversed against Jacksonville. The explosive plays came back. He took some hits. The run game for the first time in over a month showed showed up. And uh, for that reason, we got some we got some juice on the line Sunday, fellas. It's gonna be a fun one. Well, that's what I want to ask you about, but uh, poor Trevor Simeon, not only did he lose a job out to Browning, on top of it, he, he went to the Jets. He had to go be, he had, he had, he had, he had to go to the Jets. Yeah. He, got yeah. he got grounded. He got grounded. He really did. He got, uh, he got sent to his room, yeah. purgatory, to the New York Jets. Uh, Charlie Clifford with us, WLWT NBC affiliate there in Cincinnati. Okay, so, I, you know, I thought this, you know, uh, Burrow goes down, I'm thinking, okay, they're out of the way, right? The you know the Colts don't have to worry about the Bengals, and then what happened on Monday happened, and Browning and that offense looked so good. Is that repeatable? Are people starting to believe at least a little bit in the Bengals again without Joe Burrow? Well, Andy Browning spoke yesterday, and he was the first to say it's one game. It's one game. It feels great that he went out there and really met his expectation. He was the least surprised out of anyone. There wasn't an ounce of, you know, this guy's just soaking it up because he feels like he just hit the lotto. He fully expects with the weapons Cincinnati has to go out and score points. Really the bigger question, if if Browning is serviceable, it's the Bengals, specifically the run defense. They have been bad really from week one. And, uh, you know, I know we're looking at Indy stats and Zach Taylor yesterday went out of his way to compliment Shane Steichen and his ability, not only this year, but throughout his career to be one of the more creative offensive minds, you know, who, who deserved a gig. Uh, and here he is in the coach of the year conversation. It's one of the best stories in the AFC. So really the repeatable part for me, unless Browning starts having turnover issues, which the Bengals haven't had all year. They're one of the top couple teams in the league in terms of turnovers. Been really, really strong with the ball. I think it starts with can the defense lock down and keep some of these ugly games close? Because you're right, it's not going to be 354 and a couple touchdowns and 86% completion percentage the rest of the way. That's just it's just ludicrous to think that that's going to happen again for Browning. But uh, yeah, it's going to start in the trenches this week. And against Indy, that's a frightening proposition because I know Stewart's back and, um, you know, credit Chris Ballard, that the defensive line, it seems like it was always pass rush, pass rush. When's it going to hit? And it looks like it's hit this year from what I've read. He's one of my favorites. He is Charlie Clifford. You've certainly heard him on these airwaves down at the NBC affiliate in Cincinnati. He joins us here on the Payless Slickers hotline. Charlie, it just seems like it's been a wild season for Cincinnati. I mean, I'm sure Colts fans in their own way feel like it's been a wild season for the Colts, but Cincinnati certainly, how would you even describe just the up and down nature to this year for them? (laughs) I think it's the equivalent of when you get on a flight and before you even push back, they say, hey, this is going to be bumpy. Seatbelt time is going to be on the whole flight. Okay, yeah. no uh, drink. Give me no the liquor flight. now. Yeah, yeah. Hope you hit the uh, restroom before you boarded because this is going to be bumpy. But you're right. Day two of training camp, the calf for Burrow. It was really at the time great news because it looked like an Achilles injury, and then he comes back in time for Cleveland Week One. They start one and three. He cannot move out of the pocket. He, Burrow addresses the team in Nashville after falling to one and three, saying we're going to get this right. They did. 
went on a four-game run where he got his legs back. They go out to San Francisco and just throttle the Niners, really, from start to finish. Come back on next week and beat Buffalo Sunday night game. Okay, now they're another hot Super Bowl pick at five and three. Things are going great. And then, you know, torn wrist ligament Thursday and Buff or in Baltimore season's done. So that has been the roller coaster. Um, Zach Taylor has been under some heat here. You know, let's face it, back-to-back AFC title games, a Super Bowl appearance. I mean, his approval rating was as high as it could be, and folks were frustrated. Why can't you run the football? Uh, they've they've struggled just as much stopping the run as they have running the ball. That changed against Jacksonville with, you know, a play sheet that looks significantly different. Chase Brown, a rookie from Illinois, fantasy owners out there, he played 11 snaps, got nine carries, carried the ball 60 yards. I would expect a heavy dose of Chase Brown in addition to Joe Mixon on Sunday. Um, but yes, overall, it's been a rough year. I mean, this city expected Super Bowl. The players talked about it in July, that that was, that was this year. It was going to happen. And um, obviously those ex- expectations have changed and the hope now is to find a little momentum for this playoff push. All right, we got about a minute left here, Charlie Clifford. Yeah. I guess less than a minute. The favorite spot you miss in Indianapolis is what? KSR, no question. Ooh, um, now, KSR has moved. Did you know that? That would be Keystone Sports Review. Yes, come on, Kevin. I knew okay. that. Right. I, I just, I just wanted, to make, I wanted to make sure you knew. <laughs> uh, Lincoln Square Pancake House, of course. Um, that, that was a staple for Colleen and I. Uh, but mostly just the people, man. ACU, Query, uh, my buddy Jason Thompson, who actually was the first to call me saying, hey, you're missing your radio spot today, buddy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap, I wrote down 10. Um, no, but all the people, David Wood, Todd Meyer, um, Ross Bowen, it's, it's a gr- I'm so happy that the Colts have put it together this year to this degree uh, because – the ball bounced the other way a couple straight years, so I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> that city's getting something to cheer about because it's a great place and I miss it. You deserve the success, Charlie. Glad to see it down there at the NBC affiliate WLWT, Charlie Clifford. I will see you on Sunday, my friend. Sounds good, partner. Sorry again, fellas. Peace. All good. Charlie Clifford right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Colts and Bengals, 1 o'clock. Andy Sweeney, 5 o'clock today from I'm ready. Vegas. Let's go. I cannot wait for that.